welcome to the podcast. Where it's about Homestuck, and we tell you about it, because we read it. And it's called Hamsteak. It's called Hamsteak. And this is another installment of Hamsteak After Dark, or Hamsteak Nights. Which one's better? I like Hamsteak After Dark. Yeah, I think um, I just said Hamsteak night- Nights because, like, that's a McElroy-ism. Candle Nights? That and, like, um, <laughs> um, at one point they were, like, they decided to call Yahoo's, like, Yahoo Mysteries Nights or something. Or Yahoo Nights Mysteries. What? Just because they were so weird. Um, hmm. And there's a, an episode of The Adventure Zone that Travis DM'd, and they called, like, that, like, storyline that they they might, like, return to. They're just calling, like, Adventure Zone Nights. Hmm. It's because it's, like, the B-side. I see. Who normally DMs? Griffin. Ah. He's the biggest nerd of them? Um. Or just the most of the I think, I think they're all nerds. Um, but, like, he, he just, like, he had a story that he wanted to, t- to tell, and it's a really good story. Yeah, everyone and keeps he, saying. Yeah, so, uh, anyway, speaking of the adventure being on, let's talk about Homestuck. Let's talk about Homestuck. Um, I guess we already did the Welcome to the Homestuck ham- Damn it! <laughs> we did that part, right? Homestuck ham, damn it. Basically, that's what it- If you actually generalized across every instance of us trying to deliver that intro, that would probably be- Yeah. Lydia, we didn't combine the show notes. a homestuck um it's a comic in which so remember how last week um our friend the troll kanaya was talking to our friend the human rose because she wanted to tell her that she had read her walkthrough which was hosted on a server in the furthest rings of paradox space well this week now we are kanaya that's us yeah and then we go through a convoluted... Ready? I'm going to lay out some structure here. So here's what's about to happen. We're about to do a bunch of convoluted time and narrative hopping to bring us right back around to this conversation that just happened at the end of last week. Right. So we're basically going through um, Kanaya and Rose's uh, relationship from Kanaya's perspective. Yeah! Um, so she, she starts off by... Basically, she's in the veil... And this is before she's spoken to any humans. Uh, I guess it's just like just after Karkat, like said, "Okay, our plan is to troll the humans." Yeah, and she just wants to clarify, like that he's positive that the humans are responsible for their misfortunes. Right. Um, and he goes on like a blathering tirade. Um, that means nothing, and she uh, parallels what Rose said to John last week by saying statements like that are why you're our leader. Right, and Karkat is just kind of, like, having none of it. Yeah. In the same sense as John was, but, like, in a more Karkat way. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's the parallel between John and Karkat. Yeah. Him being, like, a super nice boy and him being, like, a... (laughs) 
<laughs> a super nice boy. He is a super nice boy. <laughs> that would be a cool one of those like sort of hip, like Korean fashion inspired shirts. Something. Oh, like a knockoff Mario that says "super nice boy" on it, or something, or just I was thinking like how people were always wearing those like shirt hats that just said like "boy" on them. Oh yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, I've seen a bunch of like. So at my work, there's like I guess there's an ESL center nearby. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of like exchange students uh, who are like mostly East Asian. Cool. Um, and they're very fashionable most of the time. Awesome. And a lot of that fashion includes like uh, shirts with random English on it that <laughs> may or may not make sense. I love it. Yeah. So I've seen, like, BAPE, just in big, like, letters. Yes! <laughs> um, I've seen, like, uh, F Yourself. I like that like, a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen anything as good as that, like, 82 billion dead cops world is a fuck. Oh my gosh, that's my fave. That's the best shirt in the world. Jesus. Okay, that's our first show note, is that shirt. 82. Let me, I'm writing it down, because nothing I don't write down exists. A- 82 billion. Billiob, I'm leaving it. Done. World is a fuck. World is a fuck. The world... It is. Let me tell you about my week. I slept, like, two to three hours most of the nights. I don't even remember which nights. It was one of those weeks where I couldn't tell which day was which. Mm. And I didn't buy groceries. I came back from a trip. And I had no food in my house. And I did not have time to buy groceries. Because I had had a one, two-hour chunk. My choice was do any laundry or buy food. And so I had to say I can get... Coffee and food from Dunkin' Donuts, but I cannot get underwear. And so, (laughs) (laughs) to the laundromat with me. And so, I have given fast food joints so much of my money, and I had no real food for a whole week. And just just pity me. My life is so hard. Oh, it's so sad. I get paid to do science all day. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, now, or not Karkat, Kanaya... Is having her <laughs> slightly different character. She's having her first conversation with Rose, who's yeah. actually John, when Rose is asleep. Uh, and this is like the origin of Kanaya thinking that Rose has like a stupid persona, right? Uh, and we see that on her, and it's just kind of super confusing. She's right? Like, oh, I thought I thought Rose was like this cool, like super badass spur player. Um, now she just seems like an idiot. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, uh, she sees Rose fall for John's bucket on top of a door prank. Right, uh, she gets the, the viewport turned on, so she hadn't yeah. been able to see her, see that John was impersonating her before. And now, so she watches her for a while, and she sees her, like, getting a bucket dropped on her, and I think some other dumb stuff. Yeah, but, um, mostly the bucket, because... Yeah. Now we get lots of gags about buckets being super embarrassing. Which never... Okay, did those land for you? Because they really don't ever land Really? Oh, they did for me. Maybe just because I was new to it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I can remember always, like, even when I went into this comic, I, like, knew, like, oh, buckets are, are the Homestuck joke. And then I, like, started reading the comic, and I was just like, 
this whole, like, bit about, like, buckets being really obscene to the trolls, like, just never lands for me. It just feels really contrived. That's that's so weird, because, like, I'd never heard that buckets were the Homestuck joke. Mm -hmm. And also, it, like, it took, it wasn't obvious to me that buckets were a joke until you said so. Oh. So now I'm just like, oh, haha, yeah, buckets. Right, yeah, well, because there was that stuff um, last week, I think, about how... Yeah, there's a bucket in John's room. And he has to get rid of it for Vriska. Yeah. And I think Terezi also at some point says something about a bucket, like... And I know she says something about it this week, like... (sighs) Yeah, there are a lot of bucket jokes this week, but they're not old for me yet. Yeah, get it? Because trolls have to just in pails. Um, (laughs) So she's messaging she's like all right so i don't um i don't find kanaya very impressive and i don't rose. think i don't find rose very impressive and i don't think she's worth trolling because the humans are dumb i guess so she messages dave or no she messages john to just be like give me a reason to be doing this like show me the humans are smart yeah and he's like this is john before he uh changed his handle so he's just like oh what's going on who are you what Right, this is long before they ever play the game, and he's just, like, you know, kind of playing along with her. Yeah, he's like, oh, who are you? Oh, you're pretending to be, like, a... Hold up. Hold up. I just dumped a ton of water on my floor. I'm gonna unplug oh, my no. I'm sorry. Bye. And we're back. Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. I literally kicked over a completely full cup of water. I'm so sorry. At least it was water. At least it was water. Um. Bucket. Um. You really liked the bucket prank. <laughs> I thought it was silly. I do think it's really funny. I think I, I thought it was really cute that, like, John left a little prank for Rose. Yeah, and that it made Rose look like an idiot to Kanaya. <laughs> Right, that that made her kind of decide, like, oh, she's a dumbass. Yeah, and she also, we see her, like, um, like, covering the screen and, like, looking behind her just to make sure no one saw. Owned. Owned. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't even know if it's a thing or just, like, a silly goof, but in all of the, uh, scenes in the lab where the trolls are, we see, like, Gamzee just kind of half in the frame, like, in the background blurry. Yeah. It's really, really weird and dumb and, <laughs> and funny. He's just, like, he's kind he's of just, there. He's just hanging out. He's not important, but he's we don't there. Hear a peep, we don't hear a peep from him. <laughs> he's just, he's, he's there. He's just chilling. Yeah. Um. Oh, so then, then we see how Rose goes back to, or Kanaya goes back to, I get the two characters confused, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> to, to when when we the audience first meets Rose and she's naming her a flighty broad, which was right. a gag way back so, one. And but that kind of brings up like an interesting uh, metaphysical question, which is is like the, uh, the audience that we've been referring to, um, who are the ones inputting text, is that actually the trolls? Ooh. Um, I think it's not so much that that is just the trolls. Like, 
strictly speaking, but like it's that like the trolls. Trolls are enacting. The trolls are enacting that will. Right, as much as anyone else. So like, sure, it's kind of cool. Like it, it kind of suggests like, oh, you, the human reader, is similarly sort of maybe in like a slightly alternate adjacent universe Mm -hmm. as the trolls. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she trolls, yeah, so, so she trolls John as a young lad, um, and basically there's a bunch of really cute dialogue because John's just, like, being, like, happy and oblivious, um, and basically he mentions Christmas, uh, and she's like, I'm guessing that's the human equivalent of 12 perigee eve, uh, and she's like, will your human, will your adult human custodian forage for leavings as ours do? And he's like, yep, that sure, that sure keeps sounding alien of you. Keep up the good work. <laughs> it's really cute. I love John because he's so, like, he sees through things and he's very, like, incisive, but he's not bitter. Like, you would call it cynical, except that he's not... Yeah, he's playing along. Yeah, he's completely, like, cheery about it. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is fun. Um, and then he still says some nice things about He's like, I don't really have time for this right now. But Rose is a nice person, and you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, as we cut away from him, Riska is hassling him in the past, which is interesting because I don't remember that. Yeah, so um, this is one of the times before they played that uh, they were trolled. Right. Um, and I didn't actually write down what happens here. Um, nothing actually happens. Uh, it's just that we see that her her, her balloon is appearing, and then Kanaya, because we see it from Kanaya's perspective looking through her viewport, but then she goes oh, back I to see. look at Rose. And she sees okay. Rose, and it's Christmas, and there's snow everywhere, and Kanaya is like a sun goth, so she's like, oh my god, it's so bright and like twinkly and, and light, and yeah. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> And then she has a conversation with her for real, and Which, apparently really man, um, can I, can I must love like Rose's land too? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, I bet you. She really, really mm-hmm. digs it. Um. So yeah, they have their second conversation where they become friends because they were both told by their future selves to become friends. Right. <laughs> with each other. Yes. Um. And. Kanaya says, it seems friendship for some humans is a basic aggregation of shallow and insincere hostilities. Human friendship sure is complicated. <laughs> Which is funny because it's, uh, that's basically what you're, whatever the course of uh, Act 5, Act 1, you learn about troll friendship. Mm-hmm. Or like, at, at least in the beginning with uh, Karkat and Tavros and Gamzee. Yeah. Yeah. But like, especially with like, at the very beginning, when you're like, piecing together how trolls work and you're like, oh, like... They're mean to each other, to their friends. Um, and that's how Kanaya is, like, Kanaya is saying, oh, humans are like that, and that's weird. Um, <laughs> so it's, like, a funny turnaround. Right, is it, that, is it, is it Hussey being like, boy, I sure did paint a weird picture of troll friendship, and that was not deliberate, or... Oh, I don't think so. No, I think it was definitely deliberate. Yeah. So... I think it's just, I think this is just, like, a funny, like, meta-textual joke. I guess. That, like, the way that... Basically, the way that Kanaya is going about being friends with Rose is failing miserably. 
because uh, because John messed up their first conversation. Uh, so Kanaya is just confused about what Rose's intentions are and whether she's like actually being stupid on purpose to mess with her. Right. And so that's what she, that's why she thinks Rose is being antagonistic, but Rose is just like confused because she wasn't aware of that first conversation. Right. Um, but so they, they have that one good conversation and then she goes to try and contact Rose another three times and it's always like Rose is busy and she just kind of shuts her down and she's like, oh my God, how am I going to continue this friendship? And so mm-hmm. this goes back like a thousand pages to a conversation that she had with Dave. Yeah, we've where seen she, before. yeah, we've seen all these conversations before. Um, and she, and this is the one where Dave is like, where she asked Dave like how Rose works. Uh-huh. Um, and he gives her the advice to, um, take her as meaning the opposite of what she says. Right. And then she goes to Rose and says, Dave gave me this advice, so I assume that I will do the opposite of what he says, but also do the op- opposite of what you say. And Rose is like, oh, you're learning, like, how we work, us KG, uh, nurse humans. <laughs> Did she actually say nurse humans? No, I just, no, that's my editorialization. Oh. Because, yeah, that's true. Like, that is, the nurse humans are awfully KG, and... Or, well, the blonde humans, I guess. Also the blonde humans. And also the, the their siblings. Mm-hmm. The KG, the KG similar, the KG twins. I can't not hear that as like the letters KG. KG twins, nice. Yeah, it sounds like a K-pop group. Oh my god, I love it. A- a- anyway. Anyway, um, they. Oh, so then Kanaya has that conversation where, um, I think it's the same conversation where she actually sends. Um, the transcript of her conversation with John impersonating Rose, which she still doesn't know was John impersonating Rose. Um, mm-hmm. But she has edited it in certain ways to um, to see if if Rose, Rose notices. Will... Yeah, it's like complicated temporal shenanigans. But yeah, basically to see if if Rose notices at some point in time, and they kind of talk each other through and around that gambit, and are very impressed with each other. <laughs> I've I wanted to mention that I've never bothered to actually read that whole transcript until this read through. Oh, I just oh. assumed it was about the same with some things removed. But like, can I actually puts a bunch of words in Rose's mouth? Oh, okay. And it's very funny. Did you not read it? No. I yeah. I assumed that it was. I took her at her word. Oh yeah, she um, that it was copy pasted. It's actually really funny. She like editorializes about how Rose was talking and or how John oh. was talking, I guess. And yeah. In in lines that she then attributes to Rose, it's cute. Yeah. So basically, um, all this to say that um, Kanaya and Rose's first seven conversations are completely like out of out of order mm-hmm. and don't go super well. But then finally, Kanaya gets uh, past the point in Rose's timeline where John messed it up, so that they can have their eighth conversation, which is the eighth for both of them. And which both are excited about. Um, but just as Kanaya contacts Rose, uh, she sees that Rose is in the middle of destroying the gate of Upper House. Uh, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, that's, uh, 
that's more drastic of a of a choice than I guess Kanaya is comfortable with. Like that, it really kind of rattles her to see Rose becoming so distraught. She just saw her like blow up an island. Like, well, that, that's that's in the future at this point. Uh, oh, that's, that's true. Their, that's she, their 16th conversation. Right. Kanaya, at this point, hasn't seen it yet. But so she's alarmed that she just blew up the gate, and uh, we conveniently cut away. Yeah. So, um, uh, so John, there's a good-natured... So this joke was written in, like, I think 2010 or 2011. So it was at the time a very good-natured joke that, that John was making a new Bill Cosby-shaped laptop and, like, had a lot of love for it. But now it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, and Briska gives him a hard time for it. it. Right. Just because she really wants to... So it's the, the running thread that we're about to see is that Briska is constantly, like, hassling John to get a move on, but then, like, he only is taking so long to do it because she keeps, A, hassling him, and then, B, like, having him do all these extraneous things. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first thing that she does is insist that he make a new outfit because she thinks that his, like, looks dumb and she's like, oh, you know, your timeline shows that you're gonna do this already so you have to do it, which, like, is true, but, um, I don't know, it's funny how like, destiny works in that way. Yeah, it's just, like, risk is, uh, being self-fulfilling. Exactly. Um, and so he turns out his pockets and he has, like, some, uh, like, can't candy corn, and, like, a frog, and just some junk, and, like, he picked up a mushroom and a rock, like, he was in an, an adventure game, and he was just, like, collecting stuff in the forest. It really is exactly <laughs> like he was in an adventure game. Yeah, and she's like, why do you have a rock? Uh, she's like, what kind of, like, how can we make some cool clothes with these? And also she mentions that, um, it's surprising that he has a frog this early in the game. Um, and that, that's another way that their session is weird. Yeah. Oh, man. I know exactly why she's saying that, too, and it's, like, a super weird thing that's gonna happen later. Yeah, because, like, amphibians are a big thing in Spurb. They're a big thing in Spurb, and they're illegal. Yeah. In uh, in the, the human's <laughs> version of the game. Right. Oh, no, it's, they're illegal in the, um, or not, they're in not both. illegal, but they're hated in the troll's version of the game. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then there's a funny exchange that I just want to read. It's like, um, because John's saying, like, Marquise Spinneret. And she's like, I told you, that's my role-playing name, not my real one, so your weak burn means nothing. Uh, and then John's like, no, you did not tell me that you li- that you like to play t- Troll Dungeons and Dragons. Um, because she didn't actually say that that was her role-playing name before now. Right. Um, and then she's like, oh yes, John, I'm really going to know what your stupid Earth game is just because you put Troll in front of it, stupid. <laughs> Which is, you know, fair point. <laughs> it's yeah, Briska has just enough insight at any given time that like you want to like you want her to just like be an observant, incisive character and then no, she's just a little little rage machine. Yeah. Small um small rage machine. She's 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 not very small, I think. She's I'm thirteen, sure. she's a kiddo. I picture her as a tall one, though. Um, I mean, maybe, but it's more like, I don't know, metaphorically speaking, she is small. Sure. But you're right, <laughs> I do, I, I see her, which is interesting, because she's not necessarily drawn that way, but, like, it's just the characterization, like, any fan art that you see, like, 
Terezi's always very small, and Briska's always very tall and lanky. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think that's, like, when they're drawn, like, more in more detailed ways, mm-hmm. I think, like, their, um, their body language, I guess, and, like, the way they're framed right. makes them look different. Yeah. Like, Briska's always kind of, like, looming over the computer, whereas Terezi's just kind of, like, hunched up laughing. Right. Exactly. Um. I love those kids. <laughs> I like these troll kids. Yeah, you also see a lot, there's, there's a lot of, like, um, frames with, like, the more high-res kids in it, with, and they all have, like, cool poses, and, like, it's actually drawn well, and it's just cool. Yeah, the art, the art becomes increasingly expressive, I guess, like, as we go further on in the story. Yeah, and, like, it's always been there, but it's just, like... I guess he's being more liberal with it now. Right, right. Because I think I think a lot more things are a lot more dramatically significant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so Briska's just, like, bossing John around, and he's like, stop being so bossy. <laughs> yeah, John, it's really funny, because, like, he, she's trying to treat him the same way she te- treats Tavros, but, like, John, despite being a super nice dude also, like, is just, like, very politely having none of it. Yeah. Um... And, uh, we cut away from them again, we go back to Kanaya, and we're fine, so we finally made our way back to where we ended last week, which is, uh, now from Kanaya's perspective, confessing to having read Rose's walkthrough. Mm-hmm. And this is, we've, um, we've fast-forwarded now, it's, there have been eight conversations between when, um, Rose blows up her gate and this one, because now this is conversation 16. Yeah, and in this one is where we see Rose kind of, like, um, levitating this island that a turtle temple is on, and, like, this entire village that's surrounding it, and she's just kind of, like, ripping it apart to get to the core. Yeah, it's really beautiful art, actually. It's, like, she's sort of, like, it seems to be sort of a round object, but then she's, like, ripping the bricks like t- off Yeah, the she's ripping, like, tiles. Yeah, exactly. And, like, levitating it all, like, over the ocean. It's obviously, and it's, like, huge. Yeah, and it's all, like, still art, but it, you get you get a very, like, sense of, a very good sense of how it's moving around. Right. And this, like, it happens over several panels because this is a long conversation, but it's happening over, like, while Rose is doing this. Right. So you get to see the whole thing happen. Yeah, it's... Uh, and Kanaya is also, like, not cool with it. Yeah, she, she kind of hates that this is happening, and we find out why. Um, it's because... Rose's magic is dark magic, which is sort of, like, fueled by the the gods in the furthest ring. Like, mm-hmm. the lo- those Lovecraftian, tentacly whispering gods. Yeah. And um, Kanaya's like, well, you haven't even been sleeping very much. Like, how are you having all these conversations with those... Or how are you getting all these messages from those gods? Uh, and Rose says, like, the timeline where... That, like, the failed timeline, I slept lots in that timeline, and then I basically have absorbed some of the memories from that rose, and they resurface from time to time. Didn't and, you, didn't you hypothesize that? Uh, yeah, that was, um, like, when I was saying, like, Rose's destructive slash, uh, analytical tendencies were coming from what Rose was planning on doing in that timeline. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so you kind of saw this coming. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, Rose is like, oh, I like, I trust the 
the old gods or whatever they are. Right. Um, and Kanaya is like, I super do not. <laughs> because, but, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Because she's a prospect dreamer, so she's not familiar with them at all. And, and right. because um, anyone, anyone who, like, comes back to the main timeline from a doomed timeline is, like, they're still doomed, so, like, they'll die. Yeah. In the main timeline. Yeah, and also Rose is surprised for a second that uh, Kanaya is a prospect dreamer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kanaya's like, why? And Rose is like, oh, I guess I don't actually know. Which I think was kind of an interesting thing. Like, we are, I already, like, kind of see prospect and Durst, like, characters as a dichotomy. Do you hear the yelling outside? Oh, super, super, super faintly. But it sounds like it must be really loud on your end. Uh, no, it's not that loud. Oh, okay. Why are people yelling? Uh, because it's Frost Week or whatever. Oh, no. I think I remember you telling me about this, and, like, it's very yelly, and... Oh, no, yeah, that was your other school, where it was, like, very yikes. Oh, yeah, that was awful, yeah. This is just regular college Yeah, and I'm just, like, on the... Like, on the edge of campus. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's not that bad at all. Um, anyway, like, the... The Prospector's dichotomy is already kind of set up as, like, the, like, the KG people versus the Ernest people. Right. And from Rose's perspective, Kanaya seems to be a KG person, mostly, I think, because of the confusion mm. at the beginning of their friendship. Right. Um, but Kanaya's actually, like, one of the Ernest people from Prospect. And also, I think the point is that there isn't really that, that dichotomy and that Rose shouldn't assume. But... I I think that the, the... Sorry, finish. But I just played into that. Yeah, well, no, I think the dichotomy is real, and I think the whole point is that, yeah, that Rose misread Kanaya because she is... She's very straightforward. Like, she's never trying to obscure, really, who she mm-hmm. is, ever. It's it's more that, like, she just... Um, she's not trying to obscure it. She just is, like, more focused on her conversational partner, and so she's not divulging tons of, like, she just doesn't talk about herself, and, like, which, like, you could sort of construe as cagey, but, like, I think it's, like, I don't know, I think Durst Dreamers are more likely to be, like, deliberately presenting kind of a persona in a way that Kanaya, I don't think, really is. Yeah. Also, like, are we settled on cagey and earnest as the vocabulary for those? Because I think that works I think it works, Yeah. I think KG came from you and Ernest came from me, so that also works well. Awesome. Um, ba- basically, um, Kanaya is like, like I got the visions from uh, Skaya, and I felt like just instinctive trust with them. And since the gods are in opposition to that, I just have to distrust them. Right. And she's saying like, "Oh, I used to think you were like stupid." But now I think you're dangerous. Right. I think you are so smart that you are... You're so smart and you're, you're, you're working with these dark forces and I really think that you're dangerous. And I don't even know who you're dangerous to yet. And that makes me even more worried. Yeah. And, and as this whole conversation is unfolding, she's ripping away more and more of the pink brick. Rose is ripping away more of the pink brick from the temple. And we start to see this like uh, bright green rock. I'm calling it... I, I called it Homestuck Green. Home, it is Homestuck Green. Yeah. It's that color. 
And um, in the middle of it is this, like, tablet shaped like a Capsulog card, but it's, like, bigger than mm-hmm. roses. And it's got, like, a sun etched into it. Yeah. And not just, like, a symbol of a sun, like a... Like a photorealistic. Like a, like a yeah, a JPEG of a sun with, like, a huge, like, uh, what's it called? I don't know. Those things. The thingies. Sun, sun flare. Flare. Oh, yeah. Or, like, one of, like, an arc. Like, the ones that come off and back on. Right. Um... So it's, and she, and basically Rose is like, hey, have you ever heard of the green sun? And Kanai's like, no. And Rose is like, okay, cool. Because whatever this is, it's the green sun. Right. Or is this thing somehow associated with the green sun and the green sun is something else and it's something that Rose has been investigating for a while? Right. Ooh, I'm waving my arms around like a little fart. Mm-hmm. You can't see. Yeah, I didn't mean this is the green sun. I mean, like, that sun is... The sun is green. <laughs> wherever wherever that sun is in the in the real world that is represented by this card. Right. That is the green sun. The real world. Um, <laughs> in the, the fake video game... Fake? Quad, mm-hmm. Extra-dimensional video game world inside of this fictional universe... Yeah. Also, um, Rose basically try, like calls out Kanaya on being like, hey, are you like trying to like quote-unquote save me from the darkness? Like, I appreciate that, but you don't need to. And then Kanaya's like, oh god, am I doing that? Like, I didn't mean to do that. Like, I don't want to get into that pattern again. Mm. And Rose is like, again? And that's just kind of left up in the air. Oh, yeah. So you understand what she's alluding to, right? Not exactly. Do you remember how... We sort of only got to see the very end of this arc, but how um, she used to be um, allied with Briska. Oh, right. She was, yeah, Briska's Moira Ill. She was, yeah. So she, well, she was sort of auspicing for Briska and Tavros, but really she, like, had romantic feelings for Briska. Oh, yeah, sorry. Not Moira Ill, auspice, yeah. And then, um, and then Briska, uh, you know, the dress that she had had Kanaya make for her, she ended up using to, like, basically sexually assault Tavros. And she mm-hmm. was just, like, so devastated and disappointed. Um, and so now she's like, oh, no, like, I've tried to do a similar thing where, like, I took an interest in this person and now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing them go down a path I don't like. And I'm, I'm sort of trying to offer gentle concern. And, like, so was, that, that was the other thing is I was kind of confused about, like, what exactly the parallel is supposed to be because it like it was something about pacifying me as I walk down this dark path or whatever and like is pacifying meant to be like she lets you keep doing it but she just tries to make you feel like tries to assuage any doubts that that you have about it like hmm I don't yeah know. I don't know um but yeah so now we switch back to Vriska and John but wait, 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 um, but also, like, did I not, did I not say that, like, isn't it great that, like, lots of female characters get to have really interesting and, like, super rich oh, interactions yeah. with each other? Like, Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, like, I don't know, this, the, the whole, like, Kanaya, Vriska, Rose, and then, like, Vriska, Terezi, Aradia dynamics, like, make me happy. Nice. Anyway. Um, yeah, so we go back to Vriska and John, mm-hmm. and uh, Vriska has picked up Jesus, or sorry, Jesus from Terezi. <laughs> um, and she accidentally uses nine exclamation marks, uh, and then she's extremely embarrassed about that. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole silent panel of just her like 
blushing furiously and like clamping both hands over her mouth. It's really cute. Like alone yeah, in the room. It is. Um and now she presents John with the uh, outfit she designed uh based on this junk in his pocket. Uh, and he's like, oh, like, is this is pretty simple? Like, it's not very adventure And she's like, no, no, it's perfect. Um, and it's, it's basically her outfit. Yeah, it's just, it's her same, like, jeans, black shirt, and, like, a flannel or something over it. Yeah, with, like, red sneakers. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's fine. Like, it's, like, normal-looking clothes. It's a little less doofy-looking than John's, like, shorts and sneakers from before. Yeah, it, it yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say it's fine. Um, because, like, just this whole, um, like, relationship right now is just, like, so insidiously, like, groomy. Like, she's, like, grooming him. Oh. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I guess because it seems like she's kind of inept at doing it. Oh, she is. Like, she, like, she's failing at it. Yeah. But, like, she is, I don't think she's even aware of it, but she's just, like, being so manipulative, mm-hmm. and he's like, he be, he's basically equipped to handle it, um, but it's still like really uncomfortable to read. Well, and it's sort of like Le- I think he's, less what less so than uh, Equius and Nepeta, but yeah. still, yeah. It is. It is. Hmm. It's uncomfortable to read. I guess for me, it's more uncomfortable because I'm just frustrated with her because she's like working at at her own. Cr- She's working at cross purposes with John, like like she's trying to help him, but like actually just getting in his way, and that frustrates me. But then you're mm-hmm. right; she is also grooming him, and it's frustrating because like at the same time as like much sort of like Nepeta, like he does like he sees through any one gesture, but at the same time like they're still building rapport, like he's still talking yeah. to her and like joking with her and stuff. Yeah, and it is like it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Um, and so then he actually, he, like, hangs up on her, basically. Yeah. Uh, because John, or sorry, because Dave is talking to him. Mm-hmm. And it's Dave. We haven't seen him in a long time. He's been busy. Has he ever? He's actually been, uh, time traveling a bunch, and he's lived, uh, like, three days worth of time in the past day. Right. Uh, and John's like, wow, how, uh, I don't get how that works. And then Dave's like, no shit, your deal is win, not time. <laughs> Which is just really funny. Have we established um, yet that John's deal is win? Yeah, we haven't seen it in action yet. Okay. Um, except, like, that he is... The Salamanders think that he's, like, favored by the Breeze. Oh, that game that I didn't play. Right. <laughs> or, I guess, like, maybe he used the wind to, like, put out the fire in their village. Did that but happen? that wasn't like the the fire was put out by Breeze, but it, did, it wasn't clear whether he was controlling it or not. Oh, I must that must have been the game that I didn't play. It was part of it was yeah, in, it was like right after the game. <sighs> okay. The game. What? The game. Oh my god! So, so like two years ago, I lived with um, a lot of international students, and we still occasionally talk. Like we have a Facebook group for our house, and. Just the other day, um, one of them from Chile posted a picture of, I forget how they wrote it, but they wrote it in Spanish, uh, I want you to lose the game. Um, 
and like tacked it up to a tree and like sent it to me from across the world and I was like I haven't thought about the game in <laughs> literally months thank you for this mm -hmm. the game yeah. it's moved um, past like me being like scoffishly annoyed at like this childish thing and now I'm just like oh oh yeah I was just charmed to hear you mention it <laughs> um so Davis uh basically super um like uh he's super aware of the lingo of the game now of like the whole of all the troll stuff and all the game stuff uh and he just drops a bunch of vocab and like he seems to have osmosed a bunch of mannerisms from like all the trolls and everything right because uh, like he he writes like gigas with an, with a three for the e um and he just like is breezing past all this stuff that John doesn't have any idea what he's talking about yet. Uh, he tells John not to do the Vriska thing because Vriska is working at cross purposes with him. Uh, John does not know who Vriska is at this time. He doesn't know her first name. Right. But John, what John has just done is written fine with eight eyes. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, that's why Dave oh says it. Like, don't do the Vriska thing. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't that kind of creepy? It's a little yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's insidious. Um, um, we also find, we also find out that there are, quote, a bunch of Daves running around the timeline. Right. Which we will see shortly, all in the same yes. panel. Um, the future in three days, well, the future a day from now, according to Dave, is Noir is out of control, Rose is crazy, Jade's crazier, John is the same, and <laughs> they are, quote unquote, up to our bulges and miscellaneous bullshit alien physiology, in hot, sloppy <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah. I've missed Dave's words. Yeah. He's very... There are a lot of them. He's very verbose. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he's using so, time travel because he's making lots of money on the stock exchange on his planet. Yeah, like an absurd amount of money. He has septillions of boon dollars. Ooh. And, like, one septillion boon dollars, I guess, is called a boon bond. And it's just, like, an absurdly large amount of money. I love that you bothered to count the zeros and figure out what billion <laughs> that was, because nowhere is that written. Yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> um, as, yeah. <laughs> um, and on the stock exchange floor, he has his cohorts, or consorts, or whatever they're called. Consorts. Consorts. And there are these, like, little babbling... Red crocodiles. They're cute. Yeah. Have we not seen them before? No. Or maybe we saw one. <gasps> okay. Um, but yeah, I love all the consorts. Yeah, they are really cute. They, so far we've seen, I guess Rose, or Jade isn't in the game yet, so we've seen John's salamander people. Rose has turtle people. Yeah, we only saw one panel of them. Right. And they were just kind of like shuffling their feet anxiously because she was destroying their house. Yeah. Oh, Poor guys. Um, and then, uh... Yeah, Dave has these crocodiles, and um, mm -hmm. so we're, we're seeing them on the stock exchange floor, and there's three different Daves. One of them has, like, Groucho glasses. Yeah, they're, they're all wearing disguises, like, really bad disguises. It's awesome. Um, yeah. But basically, Dave and Terezi are working together to make it an absurd amount of money. Um, and Terezi's the maid of time in their session, right? Nope. Okay. No, but good guess. Cause, okay, yeah, because I was like, 
Are they both time travel? But no. No. No, and in fact, that is dispelled um, in a dialogue that we're about to see. Not this one, but shortly after. Right. Um, but basically, we see Dave and Terezi working together um, and just kind of being really chummy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they're still, like, sending comics back and forth. Uh, and, like, Terezi is, like, editing GIFs and, like, 90s paperback book covers to have, like, just to, like, put sunglasses and, like, shirt logos on characters and, like, this is you, this is me. <laughs> um, and it's, and Dave is very impressed. <laughs> it's really cute. And it's, like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of charming because you get the, you get the sense that Terezi's being a lot more genuine with him than, um, Briscoe was with John. Yeah, yeah, like, they're both, like, they both genuinely love, like, making these stupid memes at each other. Mm-hmm. And, like, Dave really, like, in his understated way, like, really appreciates that she puts the time into making him a smile. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love them. Aren't they cute? Um, yeah. And then uh, Dave sends her, uh, like, an edited, um, like, Kool-Aid Man uh, comic where the character that he turned into her falls into Kool-Aid Man in a bucket joke. And she's like, oh, this is, like, this is, like, salacious. Mm-hmm. You, I can't believe you How dare you send this to me? Thank you, though. <laughs> Just really, really weird and gross, but funny. It's cute. It's, you know what I mean? It kind of reminds me of how, like, when you're, like, a tween or whatever, and you're sending each other, like, look at this super vulgar thing I found on the internet. <laughs> and you're still young yeah. enough to just be like, oh my god, look how dirty it is. <laughs> but to old yeah, enough to, like, not make a big deal out of it. Right, except for them, it's, like, this weird disconnect because, like, stuff that has buckets is completely innocent to one of them, whereas stuff that has, like, a naked woman in it is completely innocent to the other one. Right, Exactly. Um, so, so they keep working together, trying to um, make all this money. To, so that what's happening is to um, their goal is for Dave to make lots of money and buy frame motifs, which like allow him to use different skills. And uh, they're trying to get him to be able to quote unquote compete with John. And Dave's like, I'm never going to be able to compete with John. And Tracy's like, No, I believe in you. You can do it. Which how powerful is John that uh, that they can compete? And remember, this is now Dave has lived another two days past, I think three days past where John is now, because John is entering mm-hmm. the final 24 hours, and Dave is at the end of the three days that he fit into that. So Yeah, so like, Dave's been to the end and back twice. Yeah, which, yikes. Just like, getting, yeah. Um, and dying and absorbing dead Dave memories, I assume, along the way. No, he has not. That, so that's sort he of the thing, died. is that he's had, um, he's been constructing stable loops, so, like, oh, he right, never yeah. has to die. Right. Yeah. Um, They're very careful about it. So only the one Dave's died so far. Yep. Exactly. But, but, uh, Terezi warns him that, like, if the loops aren't stable, that's when dead Dave start piling up. Yeah. And she does use the words piling up, which is sort of evocative yeah. in an unpleasant way. Yeah. Um, so then we go to Terezi uh, in the past from her perspective. Uh-huh. 
um, basically she is in the veil, and she uh, hauls out her trusty smelloscope, which is uh, also a joke in Futurama. Huh. I don't know which came first. Probably Futurama, actually. Yeah. Um, and she smells at Prospect, and it's very, like, beautiful. It's almost like one of those, like, animated gifts of Starry Night by Van Gogh. Yeah. Like, those, that's what... Like, we see a bunch of, actually, these frames we see, like, from her perspective. And everything's just kind of, like, these glowy, uh, wispy, colorful things. Yeah, they, um, like, and they, they, like, if, they, like... They, like, pulsate. Yeah. Like, with, like, light. The word um, I was going to use was throb, but that's, like... Pulsate isn't great either. It's not great, but it a little... It, it less immediately makes you think about dicks. So. Yeah, throbbing bulge uh. like, from trolls. Um, anyway, she was watching Prospect, and then suddenly it blows up in a bright homestuck green explosion. Mm -hmm. And that's because uh, Lord English has destroyed it. Yeah. Um, and she her nose is like assaulted by this green, and its smell is sour apple. Wait, 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 so do we know that it's Lord, Lord English exactly at this point? She said this, uh, well, she said this demon that's out, like, to destroy us. Yeah. So it, maybe it's Doc Scratch or something? I don't know. Right, I yeah, I that's I the important thing, is we don't know at this point in the narrative. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but the smell of, of Homestuck Green is sour apple. Okay. I think, I just think I, we should keep that in mind. There's actually a little, like, graphic of, they, like, visualize what it's like for her, and she's, like, recoiling from the telescope, and a little cartoon green apple with its own little smiley face is, like, bonking Hunting into her, her face. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she returns to the lab, uh, that all the other trolls are in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she's doing this just as Kanaya is chainsawing Tavros. Um, and we see that from her perspective. Right, because remember, she has to remove his legs so that they can add the prosthetic legs that mm -hmm. Equius made for him. Yeah, we still don't know why that had to, had to happen, but we've seen it happen multiple times now. Yeah. Um, and also, at this point, um, Karkat is still asleep. Right, and Karkat has passed out from seeing that. So it's some, right. so he passes out for about an hour. So it's sometime during right. that hour. Right, and that, and at this point, since Prospect's gone, uh, she's like, "Oh, it's a shame he'll never wake up there." Um, however, we know that Pros that he wakes up on Prospect after the game ends. So maybe he was like flung from Prospect as it exploded or something, but we don't know. Right. Um. And she opens a memo, and. Uh, of course, her memo is much more useful and uh, populated than Karkat's. Mm -hmm. And her future self pops in to say stuff. And she's like, well, her future self pops in to say, hey, like, listen up. What Asmi is saying is super important. Right. She also says, three minutes from now, you're going to have to put this down. <laughs> so she's already wondering, like, what's going to happen in three minutes? It's so important. Yeah. So basically everyone's popping in and talking. Um, Nepeta says that the better from three minutes in the future says Durst is blown up too. Mm -hmm. um, Which is alarming because as she said, so this is the thing that I wanted to take you up on is that, um, so you said, all right, we know that Karkat doesn't, um, doesn't wake up on CrossFit until the end of the game. And that's a little, I don't know. That brings up some complications because, uh, so we know he's also going to wake up, wake back up on the veil in about an hour. And meanwhile, 
um, Feferi, we know, was asleep at the time. And Nepeta says that, like, oh, Feferi was asleep when Durst blew up, and um, she's a Durst dreamer, and um, she's not waking up. Oh. Yeah. I didn't really... I guess I breathed through that. Yeah. That's scary. It is scary. I think it's definitely the kind of thing that you only pick up on, like, a rereading, where, like, the main plot is salient to you, yeah, well, yeah. you're picking up well, all the details. Yeah, they'll come back to it, I'm sure. Oh, yes, they will. <laughs> um, but basically, now Terezi just, like, sits still for three minutes and waits for whatever is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And she receives Dave's money. She receives 413 boon bonds. And she just kind of, like, takes off her glasses in disbelief. <laughs> or no, first she, like, she licks, because she has to lick the screen to to smell what it is. Mm-hmm. And she, sees, she reads, like, 413. And she's like, oh, like, I got 413... 413 boon dollars? That's weird. And then she likes, like, the rest of the number, and it just keeps going. <laughs> it's 413 <laughs> septillion boon dollars. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of just, like, is like, hey, Salix, uh, can you trace this transfer? Uh, what's going on here? Um, and he does trace it, and he says it's coming from the universe that they created. And at this point... I guess they hadn't considered that there would be sentient people there who had an internet connection to them. So they look at the human timelines in Trollian for the first time. Yeah! And Terezi sees Dave as a baby. And that's the first, like, the first that they see of the humans. Yeah, is little baby Dave crash-landed on a meteor on a pony... On, yeah, on Maplehoof. And uh, she's like, oh no, he's, his loose has died. Like, he, he's an orphan just like me. Aww. And then it's like, oh, this weird, this, this strange adult uh, alien is, oh, it's not eating him, actually. It's just gonna, I guess, raise him? That's weird. That's weird. It's not, it's not killing him right away. Yeah! Um, oh my gosh! Is that really gets, what adult trolls do? I guess so. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why there's no adult trolls on Alternia. Yeah. Um, but also that's what kid trolls do. They kill each other. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and then he gets so, his glasses, and she's like, oh god, I think I might be dealing with a cool kid. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of use of, like, cool kid all one word in this reading. Terezi has yeah. this construct of, like, what a cool kid is. And how Dave's one. Yeah, and it's basically, like, who is, like, the cool kid in the, like, early 2000s after-school special? Is <laughs> the cool kid. Um, yeah, so, uh, they watch Dave grow up, basically. Mm-hmm. And Terezi learns some stuff, or she thinks she does, about human culture. Um, and she thinks that Cal is, like, uh, bro's, like, servant. Right, she thinks Cal can, like, move on his own and stuff. Right, because uh, when Bro moves Cal, he's so fast that she can't see him. Right. <laughs> or she can't sell him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, she also is very impressed by, like, the martial arts that, or the martial, like, the combat skills that uh, Bro practices on John as a baby. Uh, and she's like, oh, these aliens must be very good scrub players. Yeah, I mean, you see him, like, practicing his, like, speedy moves kind of with Dave as, like, sort of an extra target. Or, like, yeah. distraction or something, just, and then yeah. he's, like, teaching things to Dave, and you see him handing little Dave, like, a little a little 
sword and uh, a little broken sword. A little broken sword, and you see them like standing at the like, mixing table together when Dave is only yeah. waist high. Oh, it's so cute! It's so cute, uh, and it's really funny to see like Therese make all these assumptions about uh, this alien culture based on what she understands about her own culture in the parallel to what we did when we met the trolls. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really fun. Mm. Um. And so this kind of this montage ends at um, Dave drawing on the computer, and uh, he's drawing this comic, but he's like, oh, this is too much like my big brother's, like, uh, it's not ironic enough. I want to make my own irony. This is, so this uh, is now... Um, this is a year before the game. This is a year before the game. Yeah, so the important thing is, this is all happening. So we've now entered a conversation between Terezi and Dave. Terezi pesters Dave about a year before the game starts. And that's what, yeah. so first of all, she, she introduces herself and then she's like, what is your species called? And he calls them the North American hollering phallus baboon, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I can't say with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives his own name a shaggy too dope. Yep. Um, yep. um, we also incidentally get the third arsler in the comic. Today, which we, I, we've glossed over the other two because it's not super important yeah. to completely itemize them, but I'm annoyed. And there's another, there's another one or two after this. I'm annoyed. I, there's a lot of them. Yeah. There's a lot. It's getting, I mean, it's been ridiculous. Yeah. It's just like very dense right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but so basically they, they, start, they begin their rapport of like sending each other comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, the origin of Jigas is... Dave's typo. Yes. In awe of Therese's drawing. Yeah, we get to see Dave's comic um, pre-Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff, and it, it's sort of like, I don't know, it's more, it's more literally drawn. It's less like, it, there's no like deliberately shitty JPEGs. It's just sort of shitty yeah. art in general. And it's, um, it's you know, uh, st- uh, cool dude ends up like throwing a bunch of like naked women around for, like, comedic effect, and it's <laughs> kind of dumb. And, and I wasn't cool. actually able to parse it at all. You didn't, like, the joke didn't land for you? I mean, I couldn't, like, follow the through line of the comic. Oh, yeah. I didn't understand. I They're smoking weed, and then there's boobs. It's They're smoking, the one guy's like, I think I smoked too much weed, and Stoner Lou is like, I think I smoked too much weed, and then, like, cool dude is like, that's asshole talk. You know what would fix that? And he says, bitches. And then he throws a bunch of naked women. They're wearing bikini bottoms, but no tops. And then he throws a bunch of naked women. And uh, there's just a couple panels of them being like, awesome, yeah. And then the final (laughs) panel is this big splash of, like, a Google image search silhouette of a lady with, like, high heels uh, posing on a couch. And then, like... Um, cool dude, like, doing, like, a stupid cool dude pose for the camera. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, in, when, uh, Therese draws herself, uh, she draws with a, a mouth, very strange mouth, which is the inspiration for the Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff mouth that will become near and dear to Dave in the future. Yeah, that like terrible sort of like Y shaped half. Yeah, and we mouth. yeah we also get like we get it as an emoticon with like an eight, uh, like eight dash Y, which is just so great. Yeah. Um, 
So they, like, strike up a, a rapport immediately. Yeah. Uh, and she also says, like, oh, one day I'm gonna, like, you're gonna cry. Like, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna see you cry. Or, like, I'm gonna taste you cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, no, what? No way. I'm a cool dude. I don't, will never cry. <laughs> uh, and then we skip uh, to the stock market where Dave is crying because he is in a cauldron of onion soup. Right. Or, uh, okay, so just, but to disambiguate the timeline, because that was the way that I've read it every time I've read it until this point. Yeah. And I just realized so, that this is not actually... It's not after um, the conversation we've had with Dave. It is uh, before he starts making money on the time on the stock market. Right, which leaves it sort of ambiguous tra- then as to why he's in this pot. Like, I always thought it was like, oh, they figured out that he was screwing them over. Right. Like, no, okay, he's yeah. just randomly no. in this pot. No, no, what he's doing is ingratiating himself to them so that they'll let him use the stock market. Oh, I see. Because I guess the way to ingratiate himself to them is to uh, make himself into an onion soup. I guess so. And when he, and when that's c- complete, uh, they give him secrets, which includes access to uh, an elevator to go underground. Um, and then he's like, well, why should I trust you, Terezi? Like... No offense, but like I have no reason to believe that your your help in like getting me to this underground place is going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, "Well, you, you Mister Time Travel, like if your future self trusts me, um, how about you go back in time to right now and give yourself a thumbs up?" And then he looks around, and there he is, like behind a pillar, like looking all cool, and gives himself a thumbs up. And there's a cute, there's a little reaction panel of like Dave in the the his present as per this conversation, and she's just got got like a teeny tiny little like a blank expression and a teeny tiny little red flashing exclamation point in the middle of his forehead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, <laughs> um. And then he goes underground. Mm-hmm. He follows this really big tunnel. Um. All the while, Terezi is sending him gifts of um, some, I don't know, these two boys I, I don't know are what dancing, is. and yeah. it's very it looks like It looks like an after-school, like, variety hour show or something. Yeah, I don't like, know. With these little, like, two little boys just, like, dancing around the set, uh, but they're, like, edited to be him and Terezi. Right. And he's just, like, he's losing his mind at these. Like, he loves these. <laughs> they are really funny. They're doing, like, they're sort of sped up, and they're doing, like, uncannily accurate, like, 80s hip-hop moves. <laughs> like, it's it's very funny. Yeah, so he's, what he's like, getting these as he walks down to the bowels of Lohak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ends up at this, like, this enormous room uh, with basically, like, a moat of lava. And in the middle is this crocodile temple. And there's a clock in the crocodiles, like, there's a, like, a crocodile statue is, like, the front of the temple, and in its chest is, like, this clock that is moving actually very fast. It's, like, tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Oh. Um, I mean, that's just, like, the way the gif works. Right. But, like, it's intentional. Um. I didn't even, well, okay, so I use Chrome, so my gifs always actually run really slow. Um, I use Chrome as well, and they don't for me. Yeah, it's so. that's the thing, that's a quirk of Chrome is that for some people, it, like oh. the speed of gifts are either too slow or too fast, and then for other people, <laughs> it's not. It has to do with like how it utilizes RAM, and it, that's subjective. Jesus, yeah, okay. 
Um, um okay. But yeah, Great so, so that was a little from. messed up. But then also, like, okay, I know that's a Peter Pan reference, and I don't get exactly what it is. There's something about, like, this crocodile oh. with a clock in its chest, and that, like, Captain Oh, Hook. do you not, like, oh, you, you don't know, like, what that is in Peter Pan? I know, I just know it's in Peter Pan. It's actually kind of interesting. What? Um, or at least I think it might have been at one point. Um, basically, like, um, in the past, like, before the story of, like, before the, like, action of Peter Pan, mm-hmm. um, when Peter Pan and Captain Hook were fighting, yeah. um, Peter Pan tricked Captain Hook into, uh, like, I don't know, being in a compromising position yeah. somewhere, and basically this crocodile comes out of nowhere, or I guess, like, Peter Pan lured him to this crocodile, and for some reason he was holding a clock, and he was, like, shaking this clock at Peter Pan. Yeah. And then the crocodile chomps his hand off, and that's how he becomes Captain Hook. Oh. And so this crocodile has a taste for Captain Hook flesh, and it's also got this clock ticking inside it. Oh. And so whenever so whenever Captain Hook hears a clock, he thinks it's the crocodile coming back for him. Oh. Um, and then at some point, the croc actually does come back for him. Yeah, I can remember seeing the, like, Disney animated crocodile. Yeah. But basically, it's, like, it's his, like, fear of death, like, this crocodile. Whoa. Yeah, it's, like, the the looming presence of mortality is, like, this ticker, like, counting down. And this, like, crocodile coming to eat you. Meanwhile, all of the kids, right, are dealing with this looming knowledge yeah, of their I, mortality. And... I, didn't, I didn't even make the connection to Peter Pan with... With this crocodile temple, but there you go. Yeah, because I was just trying to figure out, like, why is he saying, oh shit? And I think it was because it's like... Oh, yeah, no, the reason he's saying, oh shit, is because he's getting um, contacted by Carcat. Right. He's, like, getting yelled at by Carcat. Yeah, the alert from Carcat is not just the usual, like, Carcat symbol. It's got, like, a bunch of angry Carcat faces, like, flashing rapidly. Um, yeah. So it sounds like it's a lot of angry messages all at once. Um, yep. Uh, and then we immediately switch to back to Vriska and John. Right. Uh, and Vriska tells him that she has too many irons in the fire for him to contact her whenever he feels like it. Uh, he can only, like, speak when spoken to, basically. And he's like, um, nah. nah. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm going to talk to you whenever I want. <laughs> um, and he's like, and so much, the number of times that they say irons in the fire yeah. is, like, in itself a joke, like a homestuck joke. I think about irons in the fire all the time, and all the irons I have in the fire. It's like a yeah. very infectious figure of speech. I've never like I've heard it before, but I've never like heard it consistently before this. Mm. Um, but basically, uh, she's like, "Hey, before you bring Jaden, um, or no, like he's like before I bring Jaden, you have to watch this video." Um, and then he gets yelled up at Carcat, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta go." Um, and she's annoyed that he first, like, uh, interrupted her and then hung up on her. Um, but then she decides to watch this video because she's like, oh, like, why is he so persuasive? Um, which is really weird because it's like, she's, it's like, from her perspective, he's the, the, like, manipulative one, even though he's not doing it at all. It's just like his niceness 
makes her want to, like, be persuaded by him or something? Yeah, right. It's not that he's, he's not persuading her. He's just, like... Here's a funny video that you can watch. Yeah, he's, like, being pretty for it. Well, he's, like, encouraging her, but he's not, like, yeah. trying to really make a case for it. Besides, like, it's good and I like it and I think you'd like it. Um, mm-hmm. And then he just, like, asks her about it again. And then what she's experiencing is, like, someone being straightforwardly friendly to her, which is not something that yeah. she's used to. Right. Um, so I think that's why, like, she maybe reads it as, like, this some kind of, like, very weird, skillful manipulation when it's really just John being completely forthright. Yeah. Um, and then it's and good. so, so we end with uh, her watching this video, which we see in um, a vintage YouTube player. Yeah, man, I forgot it used to look like that. It used to look like shit. That's not even the oldest one, though. Like that's like that was middle age YouTube, mm-hmm. twenty ten. Man. Anyway, so it's the um, it's the Nicolas Cage Conair clip. Um, it's the same except, one that we watched before, yeah. Except basically, like, instead of the video, it's um, a super compressed GIF of it playing as a YouTube video. Right. Because uh, this is all inside sound- of a flash. Yeah, and the soundtrack is the uh, version of the song that was performed for the comic. Oh, it's so... No. And it's really good in, like, a stupid way. Yeah, like, it's, like, pitch perfect and, like, has instrumentation, but, like, the... It's like Michael Sarah singing it, or something. It, yeah, it's this very, like, he, he's making his voice Warb- sound kind of bad. And like, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a warbly crying voice or something. And it's so funny because it actually sounds, like, it's meant to sound bad, but it's really funny because it sounds a lot like the vocals in some bands that I actually <laughs> genuinely like. Do you know what I mean? Like, the first time you oh, see yeah, the like, bright eyes and you're like, is he doing Decemberists. it on purpose? <laughs> yeah. Like, the Decemberists saying the word whale with, like, four Ys in the middle. <laughs> yes! Yes, exactly. The same the same kind of thing. You hear him singing for the first time, and you're like, is he... Is that... Is he okay? Are you alright? Yeah! Oh, man. Like, do you need a hug? <laughs> or, like, an, like a... Some aspirin? <laughs> um... I don't know what you do. It's really, it's, I actually, I really like that rendition of the song. Like, it's, it's somehow more affecting, and it's also <laughs> very goofy. And the point is, Briska goes all heart eyes for Nick Cage, and we start seeing, like, flashing gifts of, like, in the style that I think used to be, it might still be popular on Tumblr, I just don't follow ones like that anymore, where it's just, like, a micro-animation of, like, someone doing some kind of small emoting. But they're, t- instead of it being, like, a high-def, like, slow-motion thing, it's just two-frame flashing of, like, him, like, blinking or something. And, like, yeah, first of like, all, heart eyes, like... Right, yeah, I, know, I see what you mean, yeah. Just, like, like the image is, like, shaking, shaking a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, like, the winking Nicolas Cage. Uh, and, yeah, she just, like, kind of holds her hand up to the screen um, and then just kind of fades away, just like Carcat uh, did when he went spade eyes for John. yeah. He just kind of, like, is shown, like, almost, like, suspended in this blackness because the world is nothing but her and Nicolas Cage. I really like that visual also. Like, that is really authentic to how it feels when you're really suddenly infatuated with someone. Oh, yeah. It's a super, like, yeah, it's very, that's a good visualization. I do also like that at one point they show, like, a close-up of Nick Cage's face and then you see 
just a blue lipstick print up here on the yeah. screen. <laughs> yeah. It's really cute. <laughs> 82 Billy Ob Dead Cups. World is a fuck shirt. <laughs> um, that's the show. Uh, that's, or, the show. Uh, that's the That's the notes. Or that's the thing. Questions. Do we have questions this week? Yes. Okay, so if you want to... I, I, I just put out the call oh, before we recorded. Yay! Thank you for sending things in the time that it took for us to get this far in the recording, which was longer than usual. Um, if you want to send us a question, you can find us on Tumblr. We are hamsteakpodcast.tumblr.com. And if you want to send us a question on Twitter, we are at hamsteakpodcast. And we have our ask box open with anonymous on, and you can send us mentions or DMs on Twitter also. Our first question comes from the shows with the fields and the stuff, who asks, if you were trolls, what do you think your signs slash horns slash Lucius would be? Um, I think we've mentioned, I think we've like, we've already covered signs and Luci. Have we Um, covered signs? Well, mine was like a smiley face. Oh. And my Lucis was like, I think a dog. Yeah, oh, I don't remember what my sign was, but I do remember giving a Lucis, and I don't remember what it was either. Yeah, um, but we haven't done horns. Um, <laughs> and I honestly like the symbolism of the horns is a bit too abstract to really. Make think of something creative? I don't know. For me, it was very immediate, and I just thought about, like, all of the trouble that I've had over the years with my hair, and uh-huh. so I was like, they are large and coiled and slightly uneven. Oh, we have done this then, because we were like, oh, if you're going to have horns, you got to go all out and have, like, Tavros horns. Yes. All right, so yeah, we've covered all three of these in the past. But it was fun to revisit. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the questions. Um, and Pastor asks, if one of the non-human HS characters swapped hives slash lives with you, who do you think would do the best in your daily roles slash obligations slash social circumstances? Oh. I love this. Okay, assuming that, like, they get all your knowledge and, like, don't have to relearn everyone's names Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Who would just, like, operate the best as Lydia? I think... I think either Solix or Aradia, probably. Oh, interesting. Would be the best, yeah. I thought about it, because at first I was thinking, though, probably Kanaya, but, like, no, I don't think she would really dig, like, what I do. I think she's too intuitive. Um, and then, mm. um, like, it's too, um, it's too, like, deliberate and abstract for Terezi, and Risk is just couldn't tolerate it. Um, but Aradia, like, remember, like, when she was alive, she was an archaeologist. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Solix is, is very, like, sort of deliberate and, um, like, I don't know. He literally works with technology and, like, yeah. do computer science, so... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, for me, it's, like... I'm kind of thinking of it from the other direction, where it's not about what specifically... I do because I don't really specifically do anything uh-huh. to be honest. Um, it, but it's about like who would most easily adapt to suddenly being like body swapped with anyone. Oh, there you go. There's an interesting way of thinking about it. Um, yeah. I, 
so, so like I think maybe for one Gamzee because he would just be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is my life now. Um <laughs> uh, Carcat would flip out. Mm-hmm. Vriska would flip out. Yes. Equius would flip out. I think Dave would flip out. Dave's a, not but, a troll. No, it's oh non care oh non human. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Dave's sprite. About <laughs> then. Um, I think Nepeta would do pretty well. Yeah, but I don't really want her to be me. Right. But I guess that's not relevant, though. Hmm. You think she would do well as me? Um. No, I think she wants too much to like be like roaming around you know Mm. i think she needs to really really be her own boss yeah i think maybe tavros um because he would be like upset about it but then he'd be like i guess i have to do this yeah and he would just like go to work every day and pay my bills (laughs) yeah Man, do you ever develop, like, Stockholm Syndrome for, like, the life of the person you are suddenly body-swapped into? I mean, I guess you have to come to terms with it if, like, there's no sign of it going away. Yeah, like, what happens, um, what happens if you body-swap and then, like, it's not until years later that someone offers you a way out and then, like, what if one of you wants to switch back but the other one is, like, happier and, like... Whoa. This is too high concept you, for me to think of right now. How do you, how do you, like, you know what I mean? They'd have to have, like, court cases, like, with divorce and, like, oh, man. Oh, my God. What if you, like, what if just years later you were suddenly body swapped back without, like, being given the option, just, like, overnight yeah. again? Like, how do you, how do you do that a second time and, like, try to reconnect with everyone from your old life who you'd had to, like, deliberately move beyond. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds even more traumatic than the the original. It reminds me a lot of the end of this one... There's also a Tumblr post about this, but this isn't about that. This is about the end of some, like, young adult fantasy novel that I read where it was, like, um, this boy gets, like, transported to another world and has a whole life there or whatever... And the end of it is that he actually comes back years later, and he's, like, really traumatized by, like, trying to adapt to the real world. Yeah, that sounds like, uh, uh, like a subversion of Narnia. Right. Exactly. Um, he's totally, like, unequipped to function. Um, and I always thought that was a cool concept, so that's probably, like, how that would go down. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Thanks for the question. That was a really good question. Um, if you'd like to send a question with spoilers, you can uh, send it privately to Lydia on brickchip.tumblr.com or twitter slash brickchip. It's true. It's all true. Um, oh, uh, wait, Alex, you should deliver your contact information first. Why did you? What? I did you, so you do me. You did me? Okay. So, um, if you don't want to give spoilers, but you just want to talk to a nice person on the internet, 
Um, you can find Alex as uh, leafcrunch.tumblr.com or crunchleaf on Twitter. It's true. It's all true. <laughs> um, I, I can actually tell you the page numbers for next week. Are you ready? Sure. So next week we're going to read pages 4688 through 4750. Nice. There's going to be memos and a spooky thing. That I'm excited for you all to hear. Did you say? Did you say spooky or spooky? A, a, a spooky thing. I'm gonna go ahead okay. and call it spooky and not spooky. Sure. Because I find it deliver. I find it authentically spooky. Okay. I'm so excited. So 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 spooky is like facetiously spooky. Yeah. Oh gosh, we got another question. As I was saying, as <gasps> ah. Uh. That's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What is it? Dwelling can ask Snurp. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>